This is episode number 366 of the Inner Fight Podcast with Ben Kumba. Welcome back to another edition of the Inner Fight Podcast, brought to you in association with Smith Street Paleo. Hop over to iTunes, write and review our show, and we will send you a big bag of Smith Street Paleo goodies. If you have any questions for the show, comments, how we can make it better, how we can serve you better, drop us an email, winning at innerfight.com. Welcome to the show, Ben. Here goes Andre, interviewing him about him and his life. Welcome back to another episode of Inner Fight Podcast. There we're here with Ben Coomber. Welcome to the show, man. Hello. Thank how you for having me. Yeah, how are you? I'm very good. Been in Dubai a couple of days, got a couple of sessions in, meeting some good people, getting a tan. Yeah. Good. No sunburn yet? No sunburn yet. I'm practicing safe exposure, 30 minutes <laughs> at a time, 15 minutes bronze in either side. I'm good. Oh, that's a good strategy. Yeah. Tell us a bit about yourself. So, uh, primarily a nutritionist, um, work uh, largely online in education. I do a lot of uh, in-public seminars, like I'm over here because I'm speaking at MeFit Pro. Yeah. Do a lot of the big events at the UK, Body Power, SFN, National Fitness Conference. Wow. So, at home, my time is split between having a big mouth and talking a lot on social media, <laughs> training, uh, running my education company, which is Body Time Nutrition, and we've also got a supplement line in the UK as well. What's so that that's, called? It's called Awesome Supplement. That's a good name. It is. It is. And hopefully be in the UAE pretty soon. Yeah. Which is another reason I'm over here. That's really cool. That's actually, you know, you're saying having a big mouth or actually being out there. That's that's how I got to know you. Just all the exposure you have on social media with your podcast, with your Facebook page and everything. I try. I try. It really seems like <laughs> it. How many platforms are you on nowadays? Well, Facebook and Instagram is the, the kind of the main talking thing. And then my podcast is my main sort of avenue of educating other people. That's the number one show in the UK. Um, quite regularly top 10 in the world. So wow. I mean, I've been doing that four years. And okay. it's gone really well. I've interviewed some of the best people. You know that. Like podcasts yeah. is a great way to just have a chat, learn. You know, you can do it passively. People are listening to this right now, driving in the car. Exactly. Like it's an awesome way to reach people. I love it. So easy and, and great for us as well. Yeah. How did you get into this whole nutrition thing? Like, what's your background story? How was it growing up? So, I was obese, left school at 18. I was pretty overweight, 16 stone, and I was going to go into acting. So, that was my thing. I'd spent 10 years as a child actor. I wanted to go in the st- on the big stage, and I kind of just looked at myself, basically, after school, and I was like, I am a state. Uh, I am not going to be successful in my career and it was that passion as a young man to want to be successful and had that drive to better myself I said I need to lose weight I need to look like the guys that are going to get the lead roles yeah Tom Cruise he's not overweight he's not (laughs) ugly like he's nailing it because he's fit and handsome so I went on this relentless weight loss journey and it just you know with, with with clients and with people the penny just drops Like they get it and they just go relentlessly into their journey. That was me. I woke up the next day and I started running. I started eating better. I started sleeping better. Everything changed. And the the thing that actually got me into nutrition is everything I was doing didn't feel like it was working. I was running loads. I was eating what was described as a healthy diet. And um, I'd lost five pounds in five months, which is a pretty shit weight loss statistic. It's not good. 
So um, I said, right, I need to rethink this. I joined a gym because I wasn't currently in the gym. I joined a gym and I happened to fall in the hands of a great trainer. And he said, you know what, I, th- I think we can make some tweaks. He recommended me a book, uh, Paul Checks How to Eat, Move and Be Healthy. Yeah. And he said, should we try lift some weights, try and build a bit of muscle and stuff? So I bought this book, read it in a week, started lifting weights, and I lost four stone in four months. Like the wow. fat just peeled off my body. And I was like, wow, this is the power of the right kind of tools, the yeah. right kind of information. And I lost all the weight, and then I was like, do you know what? I want to do a couple of courses to train myself better. Yeah. I want to know this stuff. Uh, I went on a nutrition course, then I went on a training course. I was fortunate enough to have a little little piggy bank of cash, so yeah. I flew over to California and actually studied under Paul Check, which was an amazing. Oh, he's, wow. He's an incredible practitioner. Um, you know, there's, there's some stuff I might disagree with him. Like anything in fitness, we all have a way of doing things. Exactly. But the guy, you know, he's holistic. <laughs> He thinks about everything. He thinks about the mind, which I think is missed in fitness a lot. We're not thinking about people's emotions, their whys, their environment. And I had a great baptism of fire. And it was that, you know, that, that journey where I was like, wow, that's the power of nutrition. That got me into fitness. So yeah. I left acting behind, became a trainer, worked as a trainer for a while, felt my purpose was bigger. I you know, wasn't happy being a one-to-one trainer. I was like, I want to teach other people what I know. So I just got into... Um, I ended up going to uni because I had itchy feet. Okay. I was still young. Yeah. And went to uni, studied sports performance and coaching, then specialized in sports and human performance and nutrition. As Off the back of that with the International Society of Sports Nutrition. And after that point, I was like, I just want to teach other people. I want to share this stuff. And then I kind of saw the social media movement. Everyone yeah. was getting on Facebook. And, and when is this? How many years back did, did so you finish all the education? So I finished all my education in 2010. Social okay. media was like starting this rise in 2009 i was starting to play around with it got into it in 2010 and i was like i'm going to try create a personal brand and started to brand myself and that then just moved naturally into education doing seminars and here i am today yeah it's it's a really really cool story and i think a lot of our listeners either know somebody or have experienced themselves that the whole journey of struggling with to lose weight Mm. because being overweight what was the breaking point you said you read a book it sort of changed your life because you got this holistic uh, view on your training and on your health what are some things that you can recommend our listeners to start acting upon regarding weight loss oh so i'm gonna go deep right off the bat Just um you know i coach an awful lot of people i run group coaching programs yep. and the biggest thing that people have to realize is that you have to a want to change which is the first thing then people have to struggle with why they might not want to change so is it do that does that person have a fear of failure do they have a fear of success do they feel that their environment's going to hold them back like they you know you might fear have fear of success yeah tell me about that they feel they don't deserve it so many people don't feel they deserve to be fit happy healthy you think let's say someone's 35 years old and ever since they were 18 to 35 they've kind of been that chubby guy that jokey guy yeah. the guy that has a few drinks at a party and is a bit of a joker like he lives in that shell he has a certain amount of characteristics and he's been practicing that 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 persona for 13 years how does he just break out of that? What? Because coach told him to go on a diet and lift some weights? Bullshit. Yeah. It's not yeah, going to work. No. Like, so you've got to help that guy discover 
or potentially evolve into literally a new identity. Like health and fitness genuinely changes people. Yeah. I'm going to say for the better, but people are scared of what other people around them are going to think. Oh, oh, I don't want to offend that person. How do I say no uh, to going out to a drink? How do I cut out that food or maybe don't go to that restaurant because I know yeah. I'm going to overeat? How do people do that? Um, you know, the dieting stuff is flipping easy. Exactly. Eat less, eat real food, move a bit, hydrate, sleep well. Yeah. Like It's simple, right? What's not simple is finding out why people can't implement that. And yeah. it's all to do with the emotional connection, the behavioral connection, the environmental connection with people's environments. And if people crack that, bang, the penny drops, people get success just like I did. I'm fortunate that at the age of 18, I had the foresight and the power to say, I'm going to change because I don't want to be this man anymore. Yeah. Other people are not in that gifted position. They've got kids, stress, bad jobs. Like they've got way more baggage than I did as an 18-year-old. And yeah. I, you know, and I understand that. So that's where people have to start. So as coaches, like as a great coach, you can't just look at you know how many sets of bench press and run running they have to do and what they eat. You have to also look at the whole mental aspect and actually speak to people about their emotions and and yeah. and tell them that they actually deserve. Yeah. They deserve to be fit, and they can be fit if they choose to. They do deserve it. Everyone deserves it. Everyone deserves to be in incredible health. And like, let's get really real with the fitness industry here. There's an awful lot of people in the fitness industry that got into it through chasing their passions and their dreams and the things that they want to change in themselves and other people, and that is a great thing. But there's an awful lot of coaches that haven't completed their own journey. Yeah. People have to complete their own journey to genuinely be able to help other people with their journey. I love that, like, yeah. You know, I see so many, and I'm going to hate a little bit on female trainers here. Female trainers have not conquered their own, you know, emotional eating tendencies, that they turn to food in times of stress. How do you coach someone else out of that when you haven't conquered that yourself? You have to go down these journeys. So we have to be the best versions of ourselves to help other people. And you give me a diet plan and a training plan, I'm highly motivated to do it. The chances are, if we take 100 clients, 20 to 30 people will follow that plan. They're already motivated. Yeah. It's probably a reasonable statistic. Yeah, about 20%. Yeah. Then there's going to be another 20 to 40% that are going to struggle. They need a few tips. There's a few environmental things. And then there's like 40% that just can't follow it, won't do it, don't know how, don't believe themselves. That 40%, that's what shows you're an incredible coach. If you can help that 40% that's unfixable, you're a good coach in my opinion. And what do you do with that 40% then? I, well, firstly, I care about them. Yeah. I listen to them. Genuinely caring about yeah. people. I, I have two ears and one mouth. So I spend a lot of time using my ears. I listen to them. Um, and I put the ownership fully on them. So when I run my coaching programs, the first two weeks of my coaching programs, people hate me. Okay. They hate me because I won't just give them the answer. So they might say, Ben, I'm, I'm struggling with some breakfast ideas. Let's just take that as a simple example. Yeah. Ben, I'm struggling with some breakfast ideas. What can I eat? And I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell you once you've exhausted your current knowledge of your breakfast ideas. So let me stretch your nutrition muscle right now, challenge yourself first, and then I'll expand that knowledge for you. Because at some point in time, that person, and in my coaching programs, it's eight weeks, yeah. in eight weeks' time, they're going to leave my care. So at eight weeks, they need to know this information. And if they're not sure on something, they, their reflex needs to be, oh, what do I already know about this? Mm. What ideas do I have rather than their reflex being, I'll go and ask Ben, I'll go yeah. and ask Andre, I'll go and ask my coach or the person I look up to. That's not life skills. Nutrition is a powerful life skill. If you learn it, you nail it, you know, you're able to control your weight, your energy, all this good stuff. 
So your reflex has to be that I know the knowledge. I might have to improve and fill in that knowledge a little bit, yeah. but I trust myself. So I listen to people. I build the trust in them. I show them that they are capable of losing weight if they rely on their own ability and knowledge, trust themselves, because they know the answer. Everyone knows the answer <laughs> exactly. to weight loss. Yeah. Everyone. Eat less, move more in some description, however we package that. But what is the reason why people can't do that? And that's what I'm trying to empower people to be able to do. Yeah, I, I love that part about actually caring about people. What what I think you know makes a great coach or a great teacher, whatever we want to call it, it's just it just comes down to not what you know, but how much you actually care about people. Because we can all make a training program that's going to work. We can mm -hmm. all guide people with nutrition, but in the end of the day, the client won't stay or the group won't stay if, if they feel like you don't care about them mm. and I guess it's also you want them to sort of make you proud in some way yeah, and make themselves proud but I think if, if they, know, they don't care about you and you're not their idol in some way then yeah. they will never try to impress you and this I is guess. where you know we look, let's look at CrossFit that's where they've nailed it as a fitness concept because they were like how about We look after people's movement. We get them stronger. We empower them. We teach them. Yeah. We do some high fives and, 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 and celebrate their successes in every session. Every session. Yeah. yeah. And look what it's done. I think it's the most powerful fitness movement. And, you know, there's loads of people that disagree with some of the nuances of CrossFit. Great. But everyone, whether they like to admit it or not, in the fitness industry is learning from CrossFit in the exactly. community element. Yeah. You walk into every CrossFit box and you're like, shit, there's a buzz in here, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, how many gyms have that? How many commercial facilities have that? How many PT studios have that? We're all learning a lot from CrossFit yeah. because CrossFit's caring about people and what happens at the end of 8, 12, 16 weeks of programming. It's so powerful. It's crazy. It, it's, it's really... I think a lot of people like to say bad things about CrossFit, but if we look at the big picture, like the stuff it's done for the world and health-wise, it's amazing. How many people start doing actual sports because of CrossFit and potentially it wouldn't have lasted long in their commercial gym and wouldn't really have made any gains? 100%. If you, if you ask most people what they want to achieve, they want to be happy, healthy, bit fitter, and look better yeah so regardless of whether someone looks and says oh bodybuilding's the best thing or the powerlifting's the best thing when you all wrap it up crossfit as a basic modality of training is the best thing really for that person because it mixes strength fitness ability mobility empowerment so really as a model it's became successful because they've just listened to the basic goals of the client yeah. and gone man let's program for that yeah Boom, results. What kind of training do you do with your clients? Um, well, I don't train them physically one-to-one. -one. Okay. Um, all my coaching is nutrition. It's all online. Yeah. Um, my, my opinions on fitness are very simple. You've got to have two things to cater for. Or you focus on one or a mixture of them. It's you, you train for a purpose or an outcome, yeah. whether it's you want to run a marathon or you want to lift heavy shit. Um, if you want to look good naked, then you have to accept that there's going to be a certain amount of weight training or a certain thing that you're going to have to do, yeah. whether you like that training or not. But what you focus on is the outcome. Like I lift weights. I, a, I do enjoy it, but I like the outcome. I look good naked. But and it doesn't really matter what the process is. Exactly. If the outcome is bigger than... Then you like yeah. it and you, you like, well, I'm willing to do that thing because I like the outcome. Yeah. Secondly is fun. 
yeah. fun you play. You know, I say to people, I'll be in a CrossFit seminar in a box, and I'm like, if any of you in this room don't like CrossFit, leave. <laughs> and the CrossFit owner's sitting there going, oh, God, you know, oh, what's he going to say? And I'm like, why? Because you, this is sustainability. This is what we're trying to get in yeah. people. Like, if you can't see yourself doing CrossFit in a year's time, find something that you can do in a year's time. And it's not to say that CrossFit won't serve a purpose for that period of that person's life but if you love badminton play badminton if you love croquet squash tennis swimming do that thing because you're going to enjoy it you're going to be motivated to do it it's going to clear your head it's going to have emotional and mental benefits yeah so you've got to be in one of those places and i i kind of mix it up i train for purpose but i also train for fun and my training for fun is rugby that's that's my thing that i enjoy It, it, you know, it satisfies that competitive alpha male gene in my body. Yeah, but team then sport I, as well. Yeah, and then I run because it clears my head. Run with my dog. Um, so running, lifting weights, little bit of swimming and rugby is my mixture. Okay. For purpose and fun. So there's not really no ideal training myth- mythology or real like you have to do this or this. Just do whatever makes you happy and whatever will take you to that goal or outcome that you want, basically. Yep. And I think people struggle with listening to me saying that because we're all very good at comparing ourselves to other people. Yeah. I compare myself to no one. What you lift in your squat, I couldn't give a monkey's about. If we're going to have a (laughs) squat session, hopefully you're humble enough to go, okay, cool, Ben's going to lift 80 kilos, I'm going to lift 120. We'll switch plates around on the bar, cool, no ego, no alphas come into it. You know, I'm not bothered about my squat going up. What I'm bothered about is being a pretty strong guy but being healthy being happy looking good like don't get me wrong if i if there's a period in my life where i want to build a bit of muscle then i say okay i need to stick to some consistent programming but most of the time i'm training for a loose purpose yeah and then when i have a strict purpose i'll tighten it up but you know there's so many people that program a certain way because they're looking at other people looking in fuck that do things for what you want to do and you know I, I suppose I'm very intuitive with my training. Like, I'll, I'll just flow with it. You know, today, I've already trained in the gym. We did an upper body session, and we just, we just played. We like, yeah. should we do this? Should we do that? <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Love that. You know, we did the same yesterday. But if I was in a different training phase, I might have walked in and said, oh, I need to do this today. Yeah. Because it, I'm, I'm trying to achieve a goal. Yeah. But that's what I want people to get to, to have that fitness and nutrition intuition for their own body. Yeah. I, I really like that. I think a lot of people... They, they believe that they need this really specific thing they need to train for. Like, if you come to CrossFit Gym every day and your goal, like, you don't need to have a goal of wanting to compete just because it's easy, accessible, or CrossFit made it super accessible. Your goal can just be to come and have a good time and hopefully look a little bit better or feel a bit better by training. Yeah. It doesn't need to always be like, I need to do 10 bar muscle-ups within this month and I need to row a 5K in under 20 minutes. Yeah, and that's why CrossFit's brilliant because a guy can turn up, the coach is going to go, right, we're going to spend 20 minutes on strength, we're going to do 20 minutes on accessory, and then I'm going to make you fit by blo- making you blow out your ass for 12 yeah. minutes. And you know, people can walk into a gym and get that, walk home, do that three times a week and look awesome, feel awesome. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do that? Whereas there's people walking into a commercial gym going, oh, what shall I do today? Okay, I'll start on the treadmill, then I'll make up my program in my head. Yeah. Screw that, pay 40 pounds more, go to a CrossFit box, get excellent programming and enjoy it. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's jump a bit more over to the nutrition part. More specifically, there is a thousands diets out there and it's a bit of a jungle. Mm-hmm. There's paleo, there's everything. And you know, 
how does people guide themselves through this? Easily. So every diet will have one consistent system, which is a calorie deficit. Yeah. So we can't get away from that. Every diet works by admitting a food which tends to cause a calorie deficit. Whether we go on a low-fat diet, low-carb diet, you know, we take something out, we get a lowered calorie environment. So that's the first thing. Second thing is we have to provide for someone's health. Health should be number one in everything that we do. What does health come from? Real food. Yeah. So the majority of your diet should be real food. And I'm going to say somewhere 80 to 90% because 10 to 20% should be you know, a burger when you want to go out with your mates, a beer, you know, an ice cream when you go out with your family. That should be the 10 to 20% and there should be zero guilt around eating those yeah. foods because that's just balance, that's just life, that's sociability. Um, and then after that, I think we develop this intuitive feel of what makes you feel good. Like, I have clients that are on a high-carb diet, I have clients that are on a low-carb diet. One guy, it makes him feel great. The second guy, it makes him feel great. Listen to that. If you have a bowl of oatmeal one morning and you feel pretty tired and lethargic, whether that food was healthy or not, it made you feel tired. So look at the balance. Okay, what was the balance? It was high carb, high fiber, but low fat, low protein. So how about we switch it around? How about we have a large omelet with three or four servings of veggies in there and an apple on the side? Lowered the carb. It's now low to moderate carb. It's high in protein, moderate to maybe high in fat. That person eats it, feels great. And I'm like, right, why did you feel great on that? Okay, we've changed the kind of macronutrient ratio. That's how I want you to look at most of your meals. So we've got a real simple theme here, right? Eat a volume of food that suits your goals, whether it's weight loss, weight maintenance, or weight gain. Eat real food because that's what provides for health, but have balance and have a, a, a sentiment of flexibility. And then listen to your body and change it based on the feedback that you're getting. If a food upsets you, Maybe take it out and see how you feel. Like, if gluten upsets you, take it out. If eggs upset you, take it out. If fucking apples upset you, take it out. <laughs> yeah. Listen. And they're probably the three simplest things that I'd want people to focus on to just get a real simple diet framework for them. Yeah. Just listen and learn. And there is no good or bad or wrong or right, sort of, and to some extent. Just, you know, go by intuition, basically. That's yeah. what you're saying. Uh, definitely. Um, you know, I'm... As a coach, I'm very concerned about the language that I use with clients. And I think in fitness, we have a lot of uh, faulty terminology. We have a lot of loaded terminology. Like, you know, if I said, if it fits your macros to someone, if I said paleo, if I said, you know, CrossFit, all these words come with rules. And I want to break away a lot of these rules for people. Don't get me wrong, there needs to be a certain amount of rules depending on the outcome that someone wants. So if you want to be a professional athlete, look like a beast, perform like a beast, your rules are going to have to be greater than the average man. But the average man can have a lot less rules and be a bit more relaxed because his outcome is very different to the other guy. So people need to kind of you know be a little bit cognizant of that like my rules are very different for training like your training goals might be a little bit stricter to mine you might be looking to commit compete so the chances are when you know we go out for dinner for example your framework going into choosing what you're going to eat off the menu might be different to mine because your goals are different yeah it comes back to the outcome like exactly it's outcome based you know and that's why if i'm working with a 40 year old woman that's got two kids and want to feel better about herself then my approach and my language is going to be so much different to working with a young 25 performance minded individual because the outcome is different she's just trying to be happy and healthy this guy's trying to be an animal yeah so the approach and the tools change the language change the you know everything changes i I think that's really cool because i think well 
it's really cool and I think a lot of people either get excited or confused about it because they'll be like oh man I hope you just give me you know a, a strict dancer oh why can't I just why can't he just tell me you know you're gonna have this for breakfast this for lunch this for dinner and done deal yeah that's just not how it works like, it's not I think I think that's why people I think that's why I've developed trust in fitness because yes I'm a fitness professional yes I have a good amount of knowledge but after all I'm a guy that loves to go out for a beer with his mates um, you know pretty relaxed around food but I love to feel amazing and people are like I can kind of see myself doing that like yeah. I want to look and feel like him but I don't want to be as strict as some of these athletes that we see on Instagram and what they're doing. And I'm like, okay, good, that's great. Now let's let's put some more context into that. Why do you trust me? Because my goals are quite similar to yours. You just haven't quite got there yet. So why are you comparing yourself to a CrossFit Games athlete? Why are you comparing yourself to a, a, a bodybuilder in prep? Yeah. Don't. You're yeah. not that guy. No. You don't use those tools. Change the tools because you've got a different outcome. <laughs> that That's really true. Um Today, again, still with the diet, we're more obese than ever, even though the fitness industry and health industry is exploding. I mean, there's more gyms than ever. There's more trainers than ever, more nutritionists than ever, and we still get more and more obese every day. What do you think the reason for that is? There is an awful lot. I mean, where do we start? I mean... There's a hyper availability of cheap junk food, which everyone's kind of you know addicted to to one reason or another. I think there's a social kind of coolness around junk kind food. of damaging your body. Oh yeah, you know I think you know it's yeah, cool smoking to, for example. Yeah, it's cool to smoke and get shit faced and eat bad food, but yeah. it's not as cool to eat great food, be in great health, be able to go for a run, you know, be able to challenge yourself, have energy. It's it's not really cool but, yet. But why is that? It Again, makes no sense. It's kind of a cultural thing. Like, if we go back to like the seventies, the sixties, when you had a bit of money, the way you enjoyed yourself was to go out and have luxury food, yeah. to go out and smoke and drink. These were all luxury items. But now we live in a world of abundance. You can have these items every day, anytime, anytime, because your salary and the kind of commodity-driven environment has dictated that. So everyone's evolved into being like, well, we don't have to have this stuff at the weekend. I can do this every day. This is brilliant. Um, but, you know, you know, we've now started to connect that with the outcome. Like people back then were only living to like 50 years old. But now we've got the potential to live to 80, 100. We're going to start seeing people live to 130, 140 with medical care, Probably. With, with what we know about health. So people are now going, well, shit, like my lifetime isn't then. My lifetime's there but actually I have to start paying attention to what I eat. And I think what's really cool is like Generation Z is now really cognizant of health. Like everyone in my gym at home that is 22 to like 28 is in phenomenal shape. And I'm kind of almost quite proud of that. Like there is a strong young fitness generation on Instagram and that's cool. And I think slowly we'll really start to see the obesity figures sort of trickle a little bit as this, you know, those generations start to come through. And I did, a, I did a really cool podcast with someone the other day on, on their show, and we talked a lot about all the generational tendencies of what we've seen over the last 50 years. Oh, really? And, you know, pe- people are programmed by their environment, right? If you've yeah. been programmed generationally to think a certain way, you're going to do a certain thing at the weekend. You're going to eat a certain way. You're not going to see a food as potentially negative no. because you've been taught and told for 10, 15, 20 years. Think about fat. Fat for, like, however long was demonized, 
and it took it's like it took us like ten years of banging the drum to say that saturated fat might not be bad. Yeah. So how long is it going to take to start to unwind these obesity figures? It's probably going to be a while. But you think it's been starting already? I don't know. I haven't looked at the statistics. I, th- I personally think if we start to look in like five, eight years time, we're going to see some cool stuff happen. That's awesome. And I think we're going to have to because the pressure on governments and hospitals and stuff is just going to be colossal. I'm from the UK. Um, the NHS is under a colossal amount of strain. It gets worse and there's going to be overcrowded hospitals. Yeah. And it's not the NHS's fault. It's the people putting stuff into their mouths, not moving. It's their fault. We have to take responsibility for our health. There's already plenty of diseases out there. Exactly. (laughs) Obesity is at least, you know, a choice we can make. Exactly. And I made that choice. Yeah. Well, we have seen so many transformations here in Interfight, and it's just crazy how people's lives just change. It's not only in the gym, but outside the gym as well. Um, How do you think social media affects this whole fitness industry and how does it help like positively um the whole health industry and health world basically well it's negative and positive you know with great power comes the potential to do great things or very bad things and social media gives people the power to reach an awful lot of people um you know we look at Instagram. Instagram, there's a colossal amount of very positive messages in the UK. There's a huge rise in kind of like the female fitness movement, girls yeah. gone strong. And I think that's an incredibly powerful thing. There's a huge amount of girls talking about self-confidence and body issues. Yeah. And it's amazing. But there's also a lot of people on there that are still promoting very outdated opinions based on kind of like obsessive mentalities and you know like there's a big bodybuilding scene over here in dubai and i'm not saying that's a negative thing but from what i've seen of bodybuilding it develops or can develop a huge amount of orthorexia orthorexic behavior that's not a good thing don't get me wrong there's some positives to be find that for me so orthorexic an obsession with healthy eating a obsession by always moving towards perfect, perfect, perfect. And, you know, we're scared of putting a burger in our mouth. We're scared of doing some things that we might not see as perfect because we're, you know, people have been saying, like, to get this outcome, you need to be, you know, 100% strict or whatever. So I think there's good and bad things. I'd I'd like to think that my social media and other people are doing some great things, but it's like anything. Like, people say, oh, you know, how how do we get more of a positive, healthy message out there? I'm like we just have to keep fighting the fight we just have to keep drumming the drum we hope yeah. more people join in with us we hope that message comes over crowded it's just like obesity we hope that you know the information changes and the new generations keep coming through healthier and healthier and it's it's a fight that there's not a perfect answer to but if more people join the fight then we're powerful together and what are you doing to fight this fight uh, well, my podcast, you know, we're getting 100,000 downloads a month. You know, oh. we're, we're reaching a huge amount of people. I've written books that thousands of people have read, and hopefully it's a positive message. So, yeah. you know, I am I keep upscaling my message. You know, I keep drawing more people in. I'm trying to push my books into the mainstream. I, um, my plans are to be on TV in the future because I believe I've got a voice that can affect thousands of people, millions of people. So that's that's how I'm trying to help. Which books have you written? Uh, I've written uh, di- um, kind of a nutrition book, uh, the nutrition blueprint. I've uh, written yeah. the sports nutrition blueprint. Uh, I've written uh, a, c- a cookbook, short cookbook with like calories and macros in it and stuff. Yeah. Uh, I've written uh, how to be an awesome personal trainer, which is available on Amazon. Yeah. Uh, and that's kind of it. And there's about another 12 books coming over the next eight years. 12 books? Yeah, I've mapped them all out. They're coming. Oh, my God. 
All right, that's crazy. My last book I wrote in a week, so as far as I'm concerned, I could do 12 in the next year. How big are these books? <laughs> I know, a couple of hundred pages. Oh, wow, that's, that's really, really impressive. Mm. One thing that's been taking the internet by storm lately is the whole plant-based diets, this whole veganism. Yep. What's your thoughts on that? I think, as a whole, we can't, we can't not say it's a positive movement. Um, plant-based nutrition, if we compared loads of diets, is a pretty beneficial way to eat. What's wrong with eating a ton of fruits and vegetables and you know whole grains? You know, it's positive to a degree. But my problem is is when it stems from a faulty belief system. So I get if you believe the killing animals and animal cruelty and that kind of life cycle of meat consumption. Yep. If that is if you're against that, then I 100% respect you as a vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian or um, lacto uh, vegetarian. Whatever you classify yourself, <laughs> I'm cool with that 100%. But when you come to me and say, I'm vegan because I've watched a documentary that said that milk is like drinking poison, then I'm like, mm, that's not an evidence-based scientific approach to nutrition. That's you listening to a guy that's got an opinion. He scared you enough into going vegan. Like I did a big video that went pretty viral on the What the Health documentary. Okay. And the What the Health documentary went into a huge amount of faulty, faulty science. Yeah, I heard that. The Chinese studies and whatever. Yeah, the China studies are hugely flawed book. Like, yeah. you know, again... We can see whatever we want to see, see in data. So it's not, I'm not saying that scientific data is bad. It's a basis for foundational knowledge. It's a basis for rational thinking. But we can read what we want from research. So you can't just read the abstract of the research. You have to read the methodology, the results, how they interpreted the results, the conclusion based on the results that they got because the, the scientific researcher might have been going into that um, science with uh, a bias yeah. which anyone everyone has bias whether we admit it or not yeah we try to be objective but let's be the honest, human brain doesn't impossible. work like that no. we've got 20 years of programming yeah you know we're gonna operate with some bias so when people come to me and they're like meat's bad because it does this and i'm like it doesn't do that a guy just told you that and made it sound so scary that you're now not going to eat meat <laughs> so um is a vegan diet more healthy than an omnivorous diet no but do we see a lot of benefits coming from a plant-based diet? Yes. Why? So let's talk about context. The context usually is is that someone goes from a pretty average diet, goes plant-based, and starts to feel incredible. That's great. Well done. But if I coached you and I said, oh, I'm going to take you to quite a plant-based diet, but it's going to have some animal protein in there as well. It might not be loads, but yep. we're going to have a bit of you know beef in there, eggs, fish, etc., you're going to be just as healthy because I've still improved your diet, let's just say 50%. And you're going to see yeah. the benefit of that. So it, context is key. And this is where bias becomes a massive problem because we have frameworks that people enter in. So, you know, paleo. People went to paleo. They had incredible results. Paleo now becomes the only way for them because it gave them the results. So it's not that paleo is right or wrong. It's that it fitted their framework at the time that they needed it. But now they're a little bit blinded by the other stuff because mm. paleo was just there at the right time. It had the right kind of framework and rules to make them stick to it, Yeah, which is great. But people can't be blinded by the other ways of doing things, the other opinions, the other science. Yeah, And like you said, if, if you come from a crappy diet, if you all of a sudden turn vegan and you start eating super healthy and everything obviously you'll see great results it's like if you've never trained in your life 
It doesn't matter if you start doing Zumba, CrossFit, weightlifting, or just running. You'll see results. 100%. Because you've done nothing. So it always, I guess it always depends on, you know, where you come from. Yeah. I mean, I'm guilty even after I saw that documentary. I was like, what? I, like, called my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, my God. I've had, like, one liter of whole fat milk for, like, <laughs> 10 years back in Denmark. After each training session, I will die of cancer. <laughs> but, you know, it... it it's not like that. But I must admit, like, removing dairy and some gluten and stuff like that, that really have helped me quite a lot. So Again, you but know. you've listened to your body, right? Exactly. You know, you uh, I when I was 18, uh, I found I was heavily gluten intolerant. I was intolerant to dairy. I took them out for quite a long period of time. Um, you know, uh, gluten used to screw up my guts. I yeah. used to feel really mentally tired on gluten. Um, and dairy used to kind of give me, like, a really claggy throat like quite bad in the sinuses, quite blocked up. Yeah. Um, and I spent a time, a good amount of time getting healthy, supporting my immune system, looking at my gut microflora, which was apparently non-existent. And I reintroduced both gluten and dairy. Gluten had a zero reaction, so I introduced it back into my diet. And then dairy still posed a problem for me, kept dairy out of the diet for a while longer, reintroduced it about three years ago. And I'm fine with it. I'm fine okay. with gluten. I'm fine with dairy. Um, so it was a stage in my life that I had to go through. I then improved my health. I improved what was happening with my immune system and my yeah. gut. So again, it's just me listening to my body, yeah. right? me experimenting at the time, the paleo concept, the anti-inflammatory concept was right for me. And now there's no need for me to over restrict my food intake because it's not causing anything negative in my body anymore. That's really cool. You do a lot of seminars, um, one of the seminars, personal trainers, where you help them become better personal trainers. Yep. What are some of the key things or key components that you teach them that you see is the main false in the personal trainer industry? Yeah. Woo. What a topic. Okay. Um, we've covered listening. Yeah. Listen for your clients and care. Customer service. Like, what is your customer <coughs> service like with your clients? Like, after a one-to-one session, is it like goodbye and see you next week when you next pay me $50? Or- yeah. Um, so what can you do to support that cycle? Again, it's about listening and caring. Do you have a follow-up framework? Do you Are there kind of bits within the kind of personal training sessions or coaching week where, you know, you're adding that little bit extra? Like imagine this. Imagine you're training a client and you're talking about your favorite recipe. Like you're talking about the curry that you learned how to cook when you went on a trip to Kerala in India. And you're, you're, you're telling your client, your client's like, oh, I can't get that spice mix in my supermarket. I, I shop at X. Okay, so you log that. You log that little yeah. memory. And then next time you're shopping, you buy that spice mix for them. And then you bring it into the session and say, oh, remember we talked about that curry. Here's that spice mix. So you can try cooking it at home. Yeah. It's cost you like $2. And that client's gone, wow, my trainer listened. He cares. And now I can go away and cook yeah. that awesome recipe that's Attention his favorite. Detail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But most trainers are walking around the gym, changing plates, thinking about the next set and not listening. They're just nodding and saying yes. They're saying, how was your day? And not actually listening to the response because yeah. that response could change the whole of the session. Like, have they already been through loads of shit that day? Well, that's going to change your session. It has yeah. to because you've got to lead the best outcome for how that client's emotionally feeling. Yeah. So that's a couple of things. Um, you so know, you listen to the emotion, emotional feedback, which is gonna, which can basically lead the session. Yeah, we're emotional creatures, man. Like we respond on emotion. It's like let's talk about marketing. We respond to marketing based on emotion. Why yeah. do we buy transformation packages? 
because we have an emotional reason because we've seen that guy and he's like, well, I'm that fat and I want to look like that guy. I'll buy that thing. (laughs) That's why it works because it's tuning into emotional cues. Like, you know, advertising your services as a personal trainer. I do one-to-one training. I also do group boot camp. I do diet plans. No one wants any of that shit. People want to lose weight they want to lose two stone before a wedding all these things that companies like Herbalife do and shake diets and all this stuff works because they play on people's emotional desires and reasons and that's not a negative thing it's just they've been aware of how people work and trainers in my experience are very bad at business it's become a little bit of a dirty word business but business makes the world go round business brings the clients into your gym business does everything so as soon as a trainer knows the basics of training movement therapy um a bit a little bit of mindset work nutrition invest in your business knowledge because that's going to get the clients in the door that's going to keep the clients coming in the door and that's super important otherwise you're not going to have a livelihood no and that was the one thing i was awful at when i was a young trainer i was a great trainer knowledge wise but i was a poor listener and i was a I was poor at um, marketing myself. And as soon as I did those two things, wow, I was good. I was good. I think that's a really big takeaway. Like, you don't necessarily need to keep reading more books and taking PhDs and everything. Just start actually caring and listening and paying attention to the small things. Yeah. Because the chances are, the more knowledge... And I found this. The more knowledge I acquired, the more advanced I got, the worse I got at helping my clients. Because my clients couldn't use any of that advanced knowledge. That advanced, say, they don't care. No, they just want to move. They want to lunge. They want to do a twist. They want to throw a ball. They want to go on a run. Man, I learned that in PT school. Yeah. So most of the knowledge I'm using now is what I learn at PT level three rather than all the stuff that I learn in my advanced courses as a sports nutritionist, and stuff, yeah. which I use like 1% of my week. Because when would you ever get asked, you know, when you get a client who's a beast or who just wants to get fit, Oh, let me see your CV. It's like, nobody cares about that. You probably got referred for somebody else. Oh, you know, Ben is a great guy. He's fun and he helped me quite a lot. That's what matters. The the rest doesn't really matter. Results matter. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, I'm 23 and I don't have much education and I keep trying to educate myself more. But Marcus keeps telling me also that, that, you know, you also just need to focus more on the small things like ride your clients every weekend, how they're doing. And, you know, those small things with the curious story, you know, if you're back home and whatever your clients love coffee and your specialty coffee place, bring some coffee for them mm. or just those small things. I think that's that's a massive takeaway. It's not really who you are, who, what you've achieved. It's just how good of a dude are you actually? 100%. And uh, yeah, if anyone does care... Um, that's all the stuff I talked about in that book, How to Be an Awesome Personal Trainer. Okay. It's basically my 10-year journey of all the things I realized I was crap at. And I was like, by the way, I used to be really crap at this. And then I learned this, and I was a lot better at it. And it's just like 20 chapters of just me talking about all the little like aha moments I had. Yeah. And I, I talk about the tra- uh, story of observing a trainer that was, a, you know, at the time I thought he was a worse trainer than me technically, but he always had a busy diary. And I was uh. like, why did he have a busy diary? He, he cared. He cared about his clients, where I didn't genuinely care. I was thinking about my own knowledge and what I was going to program, yeah. where he you know, got them on the treadmill for 10 minutes and just had a chat to them. Why did he have a chat? Because he listened to them about their day, and then that governed the session intensity. It governed everything. 
And I, I learned that so quickly from just observing, you know, and initially I thought, this guy's a crap trainer. Why has he got him on the treadmill? And like, I was, oh, he's, he's just listening. He's caring. Yeah. Boom. Like, and he, he nailed it. How does, how, let's, um, we've been through loads of different stuff and we could continue for hours and hours. Where can people get in touch with you? Where can they get access to, you know, that seminar or the book you're speaking about? Everything. Social media. Yeah, uh, I am all over the internet. Uh, ben Coomber, C-O-O-M-B-E-R. If you go onto Facebook, if you go onto Twitter, Instagram, uh, BenCoomber.com. Ben Coomber Radio is my podcast. Android, you know, iTunes, all available. Wow. Depending on the books and stuff. Like, if you go to my website, BenCoomber.com, you'll find all the links to all the stuff that you yeah. want to explore. That's the like center platform. That for is the everything. center. It's the hub. It's the hub. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So if hop we, over to Ben if we were on that me- If we were on that MTV program, we'd say my website. That's where the magic happens. All right. <laughs> <laughs> MTV Crips. That's the one. Yeah, That's yeah, the exactly. program. Yeah, bad Perfect. Program. All right, man. Thank you so much. Thanks Thank for taking you. your time. And uh, I hopefully we'll see you again soon. Yeah, cheers, dude. Okay.